This is Web Suasion Conversation, Episode 11. Welcome to the show. I am Ryan Williams, president of the Web Suasion Group and Kapoka Studios here at Pinewood Atlanta Studios in Fayetteville, Georgia. Today on the show, we have Kristen Sellier of ID8, and they are a boutique marketing firm out of Marietta, Georgia. And she's going to talk to us about branding and graphic design and kind of her journey to get to where her agency is now. And sort on the topic of marketing, I'm going to give you a little behind the scenes of our studio here in Fayetteville, Georgia, the Kapoka Studios. This is where we do the podcast that you're listening to now. And if you see the video of the interview segments of the podcast, that's where those are recorded. We are set up to do long format recording. So generally our clients will come in and record eight to 10 videos or audio broadcast for their YouTube channels or their podcast that we will record in one day. And those will be edited and distributed out over the course of the month, pretty much the same way that we do our show here. Content marketing is a great way of showing your expertise in the field, showing what differentiates your business, and keeping you top of mind. So if you or someone you know has developed a lot of business knowledge that they would like to share and use that as a way of bringing in new clients, and you're in Atlanta, please give us a call, 404-418-8909, and we'll be happy to show you around and how we can help you to promote your business on an ongoing basis. So now our interview with Kristen Sellier of ID8. Kristen, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So tell me about your background. You're a farmer's daughter, right? Yep, that's correct. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Northwest Illinois and in the middle of cornfields and uh, grew up with cows and chickens and 30 cats. When did you come to Georgia? Uh, 1997. So did you you go to school out there before you moved here? Yeah, yeah. I went to Illinois State University, which is central Illinois, again, in the middle of the cornfields and now wind farms. But yeah, I went there to school, did my master's at University of Cincinnati, and then moved to Atlanta in 1997. So what got you into graphic design? What, What was your love of art? Well, I really wanted to go into speech pathology. Okay. Totally different. Uh, One of my friend's moms was a speech pathologist and I really looked up to her. When I went to school though, I didn't love it. Oh yeah. What was it about it that you didn't get into? It's lots of reading, lots of books, more physician, more science. And I just didn't enjoy sitting back and reading books every night and then taking the test the next day. I enjoyed doing. So I went to the dean of the art school and said, is there anything I can do in art that you can actually make money and make a living? Okay. So you were actually not getting into art just for the art's sake initially. Okay. Yeah. I knew that I had to support myself. So I couldn't just do art because I loved it. I knew I needed to do something. Well, a lot of people go into it and you know, and they go, okay, well, I guess I can survive on commercial. Right. (laughs) But to go into it, yeah, that way to begin with is great. Right. Uh, So did you draw when you were a kid or I did I I was always drawing so always drawing my uh during church on Sundays again I grew up in a small town so in church on Sundays we'd get the bulletin I'd open the bulletin and I'd grab a pen from my mom's purse and I would sit there and draw 
the the pastor at the um, at the front of the church. I would draw flowers. I would draw people. I would draw tractors. I would draw dogs. And my dad then I'd hand it to him, and he would look at my drawing, and then he would draw stick figure dogs and <laughs> and farmers and tractors, and it, that's where I started drawing, you know, just all the time I was drawing. Out of school, did you go directly into IBM? I worked for a few different design firms okay. and then I went to IBM. So what was IBM like? What were you doing there? You know, IBM was a wonderful place. I learned so much and it was really at the beginning of website design. So early, like mid 90s? kind. Yeah, mid 90s. Yeah. I was there and you were with 400 other people who were super creative and had experience in agency world and they knew how to talk about it. They knew how to sell it. It was a place where I learned the methodology behind and the business thinking behind design. And I just fell in love with that piece of it. Really? Mm -hmm. So were they doing everything internally at that point or were they using external agencies at all? Just yeah, every we were doing everything internally. So there was a writing department, there was IA, which is information architecture, right. there was the creative, there was the development, and then there was project managers. And so those five groups came together and would form the core group of every website. So how long were you there at IBM? Three years. While you were at IBM, is that when you got the idea for ID8? I had the vision when I was in college that I wanted to have a small studio that did very selective work, and we had three to five people. And so, were you thinking web at the time too for that, or was it just no? I didn't even no. Yeah, I wasn't even was, using email at the time. It was yeah. so long ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even have a cell phone. <laughs> I remember when email came out, and somebody told me uh, I was like, "What do you do with this? What's the purpose?" And they were like, "Well, I can send a message to Frank down the hall." Yeah. Like, but just walk it to them. <laughs> right. So when you started your agency, how did you start out? What was your first client? And The direction I, yeah. I planned to go in was food and beverage. And so we really didn't focus on anything web. We did it because of my background, but we focused on branding and packaging design and on-premise. Okay. We were designing menus. We were uh, working with one marketing client that was our biggest client at the time, and they did incentive marketing. And so what we did for them is they didn't have a creative arm in-house, and we really provided that need for them. So a lot of print assets and anything they needed, mm -hmm. general marketing. Mm -hmm. yep. When you bring in a client, how do you differentiate your process from a lot of other agencies? Yeah, we call it experiential design, and I've heard people call it customer experience focus. Okay. And so what it is, is it's it's really a lot of field research, and it's commonly called discovery in yeah. the discovery phase that we start, and we start pouring ourselves into the brand. So if they have a food and beverage product, we're going to the retail store, we're doing a shelf audit, we're looking to see what level of the shelf they're on, we're looking to see what aisle in the store they're on, are there any legibility issues with oh, being wow. able to see the product. Right, right. Um, and then we really like to go to the corporate office and to experience the brand, the people that are behind it, who makes it, what's their purpose, really finding out what is the heartbeat of that brand. And so, are, are you researching their competition and stuff as well? Or how do you figure out how to differentiate a brand when you go through that process? What, what usually arises out of that? That's a great question. We do look at the competition, but not to see what they're doing so we can do the same thing. We right. look at it to see what they're doing so we can do something different. Right, right. So it's really as a point of reference, but we definitely look at competition and then we look at the best in breed. So in all industries. What's What are people doing right out there that's really creative, that's out of the box thinking? And we get our arms around all of that when we start the process. 
Do you ever get any pushback from your clients about something that's out of the box thinking? Do they want something more conservative? Oh, sometimes? yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We are, there's a designer in our office. Her name's Julie. And one of our clients, HBF, they're a big concessionaire. They were purchased by, I think it might have been Parodies recently. She came back with a coffee store design and he asked her if she was doing drugs when she came <laughs> up with the design because it was so out there. So she's like, no, 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 you know. But, yeah, and that's our job is to be as creative as we possibly can, and and then they can pull us back yeah, if they need dial it to. Yeah, back a oh, bit. Oh yeah, yeah. So where do you get your inspiration from on on branding like that? When you go into, is it always different? Do you pull from nature? Do you pull from history of art or anything like that? Where did those ideas come from? You know, last night I was doing a portfolio review for Kennesaw State University students. Oh yeah. And I asked this exact same question: Where do you get your inspiration? And they across the board said social media, different platforms and social media. Just seeing photos from people in their stream or something? I, yeah. I guess I was yeah. trying to figure it out and, and uh, because I don't find that inspirational. I find it yeah. really almost draining in a way. So, yeah. but where I get inspiration from is I read a lot of books. I okay. listen to a lot of audiobooks. I spend a lot of time in nature. I look at architecture, like you said, art books. I look at history and I just experience culture. And you can see it in so many different ways. It could be a detail of a piece of wood that you see in a piece of furniture. Right. It could be you're buying eggs at the grocery store and how they have the eggs, you know, in the carton. So it's all around you. Whatever you're doing, you can experience design and get inspired. And so that's typically what I do. Now, you said audiobooks. That's interesting. I would think audiobooks wouldn't be as visually inspiring as, as it would need to be. Yeah. Audiobooks are so inspiring because you're making the story in your head. So right. the words create a visual picture. So it's whatever you want it to be. Does that tend to be nonfiction stuff that you're listening to when you get that inspiration, or is it fictional? Is all it, of it. All of it just didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, what do your clients or your new clients? What is the thing that they usually, you know, either mistakes that they've made or misunderstandings they've had about what branding is? I think most CEOs don't really know what branding is. Yeah. They know what marketing is, and they know what advertising is, and they know what a logo is. They know what a logo is, but they yeah. really don't know what it is. And so, our first step is to really educate them on what branding is because they really don't understand the value in some cases. How would you define it? I would say a brand is like a person. It's the heartbeat of the company. You know, if you get past the we're in business to make money statement. Right. And if you've ever read Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, it's really getting past, hey, we're doing this to make money. Of course, we have to turn a profit and you have to have revenue to fund a business unless you're in the government. Right. But Nonprofits and businesses alike, they have to be able to get to the purpose. Why did I start this company? What are we trying to do? What problem are we solving? Who are we trying to help? And you really get down to the pure essence of the business. And then that's where you're able to start uncovering what the brand truly is. Right, right. Then you create messaging and then you create visual communications that represent that brand. You determine colors, styles, fonts, tone, all of it is created from that purpose. Are you guys working with content writers as well? Are you have them on staff? Are you doing like all the marketing copy for them? Yeah, we do the brand strategy. We do all the design. All that's done in-house. Going back to your own branding. Mm -hmm. So ideate, assume it's from the word ideate, right? Yes, it's from the word ideate. It's Mm -hmm. very creative. Mm -hmm. So when you got started... What did you find that the challenges were for you as far as building your client base? Did you already have a client that you kind of used as your launching point? Or how I had did nothing. You, you started out just cold. I had nothing. Okay. How so, did you get that first client? Oh, gosh. Um, well, what I did is I started calling people that I knew. Yeah. You know, 
not not family. Right. I stay away from family and friends. <laughs> right, right. But people that I knew in working and and then I started doing cold calling and then I did what I call cold letters. Okay. I knew I wanted to work in food and beverage, so I looked through the yellow pages. Again, this is in, you know, a long time ago, yeah. so there wasn't the internet where you can search, but I looked through the yellow pages and I found food and beverage packaging companies that were local and I yeah. wanted to work with. I formulated 30 handwritten letters to these food and beverage companies that I wanted to work with. And how many answers? We had a 15% return rate wow. on that. So That's excellent. That was my first venture into a, cold, a different way to do cold 15% calling. 15% return on actually landing those clients or, or just getting a meeting with just them? Just getting least. a meeting with That's them. That's great though. Mm-hmm. Um, so was it just you at the time? It was just me. So how long before you grew the agency? How long before you started bringing Within six months, I hired an assistant. That's great. Yeah. Usually businesses start out, they know what they want to do, but they mm-hmm. don't know who their focus is. Like for us, I mean, we fell into medical, we fell into financial because some of our big clients happened to be that. And then all of a sudden everybody else sees what you do and yeah. they mirror that. So a lot of a lot of businesses I found just kind of fall into a niche. I mean, what made you focus on that? I would say it was a passion of mine. Food and beverage is fun. Yeah. But there was some fortune in who we got to work with. So when I called some people that I worked with, they were working in food and beverage. When I asked them, oh, my wife has a coffee business. Why don't you come work with us? The marketing company that we worked with was doing all food and beverage. So we had some good fortune in working with those clients. And then I just fell in love with it because it's it's so much fun and you get to really be outside of the box. Food is a very visual thing. Oh, yeah. Than- the actual taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is something that you would like to see change with your business moving forward? Is there anything that you're working on, issues that you've run into that you were like, you know, I like where we are, but I want to grow in this direction? There's two um, branding agencies that I've been watching that I find very intriguing, and they're not local. One company is called Story Brand, and the other is, uh, the gentleman's name is, he calls himself the Branding Doctor. Okay. And they both have, instead of going the typical route of an agency and doing agency work, they've come up with a way to educate more people in a different way. Okay. So, so, so they're charging for their IP, basically. They're uh-huh. building a, a, a teaching platform. Right. Gotcha. Right. Which I find very fascinating. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you you have a choice kind of when you get to this level of, okay, I can grow a big firm and have, you know, 40 individuals that I have to manage. Mm-hmm. You can become a people manager. Right. Versus creative. Yeah. You get right. less and less creative as your staff grows. Right. So, so you're looking at continuing with the same level of staff. I, I assume part of the appeal of ID8 as well is the accessibility that you don't get from a lot of big firms. Right. Right. Because, I mean, the client's dealing with you directly all, all the time, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of direct contact. It's very, very much in person, one on one, lots of meetings, uh, because in order to do the best work, you have to get to know them. You have to understand their heart and you have to design with heart and you can't do that if you're not connected with them. Have you identified who are your best clients? I mean, do you have like personality traits that you've identified? These are my people. Oh, you know, I always look for that. And yesterday it was funny. I noticed that a lot of our clients, if it's a a man, he will be wearing like a Columbia style shirt, you know, like a little casual. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not too business, not too stuffy, you know. Right. It's a very, it's a shirt that they all wear. So I find that very (laughs) interesting. Um, Makes it hard to prospect for a shirt. Yeah, yeah. You like <laughs> I guess you look at social media and see what they're wearing. Yeah, 
Yeah. But typically it's people who value health and wellness okay. in their own life and in their and then they value that same thing in their business. Yeah. So typically they work out on a regular basis, they may be training for a marathon, they may ride bikes, they may play on a tennis team, but they are very active type people and usually they're involved in the community okay. and maybe even coaching their kids playing soccer and business is a part of their life but it's not their life. Right. And we work really well with those business owners because we're like-minded, we have the same values. We're more interested in quality of life than we are you know, making you know, $10 million next year. Right, and they can hand it off to you and they can go spend family time and they know it's being taken care of. You right, know. yeah. You do a lot of government contracting as well, don't you? We do. What was your experience of that? Well, we haven't gotten into federal yet. That's okay. the next yeah, step. Whole, so we're doing yeah. um, county, city, and state. Okay. Um, and. It's really interesting because it's always an RFP process unless you're under a certain dollar amount. And then if you're under a certain dollar amount in that particular municipality, then you can get by without going through the RFP process. Because they can do the credit card directly. Right. Yeah. Right. Like a $10,000 limit or something like that. Is right. Is that what it still is? Mm-hmm. Um, it's still all about developing relationships with people. So what kind of work does that tend to be? So for one, uh, we work with the Atlanta Jazz Festival. Um, So think about the cultural department within the government. Okay, so there'll be breakouts for Mm -hmm. particular festivals where they'll create a division Mm -hmm. or something that puts out an RFP that we need to brand this whole event and do the marketing for it. Okay. Yeah, like for Cobb County, we built their whole um, intranet. So internally, they had a changeover in who ran human resources. And so they had 400 pages on their intranet and it was built in front page. Yeah. And so they needed someone to look at it, figure out what was duplicate content, because there was a lot of duplicate content. There was content that was out of date. Uh And they needed a site in Joomla because that's what they knew how to use. Maintain. Yeah, so we built an intranet site for them. Okay, but you went through and redid everything from front page content. Yes, yes. I don't envy you. Yeah, yeah. What percentage of your business are you trying to make part of the government contracting? I think the city of Atlanta, we did some work for the human resources department, which was for recruitment. Uh Um, The police have had a really hard time recruiting policemen. And so we helped them create a brand for their recruitment campaign for all the different departments. Okay. And that was great. I mean, I just love working on that. But what's most important about the government work is the public facing piece of it that we can tout that we're doing government work to help secure other work. So it's more about a marketing arm of our company is that we're getting more notoriety because of that work versus the actual profit on that piece of it. Right. So are you moving, did you say more into manufacturing these days? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about that. What kind of clients are you looking for? Oh, manufacturing is so much fun. Uh, We have a, a gutter company right now you know, okay. gutters. Yeah. Sounds fun, right? Yeah, sure. They are. Um, there's a national manufacturer here in Atlanta and the business is very complex because they sell OEM, B2B and B2C. So in order to target all those audiences, they're all very different strategies and you have to communicate differently and but you're all you're selling the same type of product. And it's just distribution of the product. It's not they're not doing the installs and, and stuff as well. They're just Correct. Selling, okay. Mm-hmm. So are you so I'm assuming you're doing marketing at that point basically to the installers, to the the little mom and pops and the right. organizations that are doing these commercial right. installs. Okay. So what process do you take with that to to understand that market? Oh, exactly. that's exactly what we did. You have yeah. to understand exactly where they're coming from. I was just at the facility last Thursday and there was 
was a bunch of their clients coming in and picking up orders because if you're picking up gutters, you're yeah. going to be installing them that day or the next day. And so they were there picking up and watching them come in. And, and what I was most curious about was how long they had to wait because okay. every you know minute they lose is sure. one minute they're not making money. Yeah, they're hourly, yeah. Yeah, and so we're focused on making that wait time less. So we're proposing strategies for them to be able to order online and then to be able to come in and pick up their order in a like a locker type system. So okay. there is no wait time. They don't have to wait 30 minutes or an hour to right. load it. They can do all of it themselves and get it quickly. You get deeper into the business than just the marketing part. You right. really get in into how the structure of the business works at that point, because based on your interviews and everything that you've done with these clients, you're hearing right. their issues. Yeah. Right. And so we're speaking to little CEOs. They have small businesses, each of them do, and time is money. Yeah. And if they're not able to spend eight hours during the day making money, then they're not going to be successful. Right. So it's our job to understand what their pain is and then help our client communicate that. So time is a big issue for them. So what other kind of manufacturers are you looking at right now? You've got gutters, manufacturing, I assume has many, many. Oh yeah, there are so many different clients. So we work with a company by the name of Inland Seafood. They have a division called Inland Market and they manufacture chef inspired seafood dishes. Okay. And it's food manufacturing. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You you pulled the two together there. uh Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, and so they're fun, but what's interesting in the food industry is they always want something new. There's new flavors, new types of food, and right. so we help them package the product when they're going to trade shows, when they're going to be launching it into Costco, and design a new package that someone's going to want to reach in and grab it out of the cold area. You've got a larger brand. They're releasing a new product. Do you treat that separately, that new launch as a completely separate kind of sub-brand of the product, or is it, how does that work? You know, there's two different levels. So one, we'll do a rebranding for them, which we did on all the packaging a few years ago. Across the board. Yeah, yeah. so that was one one aspect. And then the second aspect is when they're launching new flavors. People buy with their eyes. So in every flavor, we look at the ingredients and we talk to the chef to find out you know, what it really tastes like, what flavors are they profiling, and then we design those flavors into the front of the packaging. So let's say it has parsley. We're definitely going to have an image of parsley, whether it's going to be photographic or an illustration, it'll be a part of the design. Gotcha. What is the biggest mistake that clients tend to make when it comes to branding? I would say they don't focus on getting clear about who they are first. People are so busy. They're overwhelmed with how much they have to do every day. And understanding the simple, clear message of what sets your company apart is the first step. They want to be designing the logo tomorrow. They want to design, they want to know the colors, they want to know the fonts, they want to start marketing, they want to start their social media account, they want to build their website, but they don't take the time to stop and reflect and determine what really is the core purpose. Right. Without knowing that, it's impossible to create a brand that's going to be real. Right. So what have you found to be your most successful networking and marketing, just from your own business, your own successful networking and marketing approaches? What's paying off? Well, networking is definitely a big piece of it. A lot of people steer clear of cold calling, and at least in my mind, for me, I never wanted to do it. Right. I just didn't want to be the car salesperson, you know, and and that's kind of what I felt like. So I had a business consultant and she told me that I had to do networking for a year. Um, Okay. (laughs) So I was really forced into it. And the benefit for me was more than 
gaining, I think I gained 25 new clients in a two year period Wow! after doing that. How long ago was this that you started? Got, I started got networking 10 years ago. Okay. Um, the first year was really rough because you're gonna get back what you put into it. And yeah. I wasn't saying the right things. I wasn't asking for what I really needed. I was asking for what I thought they could give me. Yes. And that was a big mistake. And so about six months into it, I figured I'm not getting anything. Well, it's because I'm asking for the wrong thing. So networking is part of that associations like chambers? or Yeah, networking. I belong to um, Cobb Chamber. I'm involved in one group called the CEO Roundtable, which okay. I love where we meet once a month with other CEOs. And it's it's not about networking. It's about helping you grow your business right. and with the mm -hmm. daily struggles. And it's great to have a group of other CEOs who've been there, done that. It can be a great sounding board for you. Is that a local group that you're involved mm -hmm. with there? Okay. Yeah, that's a local group. I'm involved in PowerCore. I've been involved in PowerCore for almost 10 years. Nice. And that's for referral marketing, which is a very different yes. way to market your business. And that's been very beneficial for me. Um, I stopped counting after I hit the 500,000 mark in terms of revenue brought in because of that. And so, of course, yeah. I'd be crazy not to keep doing PowerCore, so I stick with PowerCore sure. as my main um, way of networking. Another way that I network is through Google. So okay. people can do this themselves. They can go onto Google and you can set up your own Google local listing. Mm -hmm. I think maybe even Google has changed the name it's of Google it. Google My Business now. Google My Business. Mm -hmm. So setting up your own business is totally free. Yeah. You put all of your information in there. You claim the account. You put your address, your hours of operation. You can add pictures. And then when you have great client testimonials, you ask your clients to write reviews for you. Okay. And you'd be surprised how many people look for, if they're looking for a graphic designer near them, they're going to write a yeah. graphic designer near me, and it's going to pull up the graphic designer in their location. So I happen to be in Marietta, Georgia, and if someone's looking for a branding agency in Marietta, Georgia, guess what company pops up? Right. ID8, because we're in that area. Now, do you work with businesses outside of Marietta a lot, though? How are you targeting those businesses outside of your We your do really listing? well in Marietta, and what we're trying to focus on is in Atlanta. Right, Metro. Mm -hmm. We have clients throughout the U.S., and we have a couple international clients as well, but most of our clients are in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So to get higher rankings for Atlanta, it's really difficult. Yep. There's people paying, they're doing pay-per-click, there's people um, who have those ads on the first page, right. and then there's the organic results. And an easy way to get listed on the first page is to do a search that you wanna come up on the page one for, right. and see the results that come up on that page. Guaranteed, there's gonna be a few lists that mm -hmm. are on that page, and you go to those lists, and the ones that you can add your company to it, you yeah. can do it for free. Yeah. And some of them, there's a nominal charge to be featured on those pages, you know, maybe $100 a month, $200 a month to be ranked higher. Right. So get yourself listed on multiple listing pages and people are searching on Google. 87% of people do their first Google search Right. when they're looking for a company to do business with. So what would you say your percentage of networking time is these days like how much of it is how much of it is admin how much of it is creative working with the clients and how much of it is networking and marketing that's, yourself that's a wonderful point because when i started almost 20 years ago i would say that 90 percent of my time was all creative was all design work and i would say even at that time 90 percent of every project was creative uh -huh. and now as i've matured and you know gotten older and understand business a lot more 
I would say 50% of my time is spent in project management. Okay. Not not of client projects because I don't work on a lot of client projects, but on different things I'm working with in, within the company. Okay. So whether it's human resources, um, employee management, working on uh, policies and procedures, uh, putting a new program in place, working on marketing. Okay. Uh, there's so much time that goes into that, so. And networking's part of that 50%? Networking, yeah, I spend, every week I spend at least four hours doing networking. Okay. Every week, without a doubt, unless I'm on vacation. Yeah. And then I'm, I try to completely, you know, not do anything. Check out. Yeah. yeah. Do you miss the creative? I do. I really do. And I was thinking about it this morning. I, I we unfortunately um, lost a client, and it was heartbreaking for me about three weeks ago. And it was done in a way that, to me that was just unprofessional. And this right. is two clients. We have sixty projects right now. We work with about a hundred clients a year. Okay. But it's that one, you know, one or two clients that aren't happy that really sure. sits with uh, you. Yeah. 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 And so it's really uh, emotionally I'm drained and I just, uh, my energy is low because of that. And so I've been spending some time calling past clients who I knew appreciated our creativity and reaching out because one of the best ways to get new business is to call past clients that you love working with mm -hmm. and who really like working with you. Yeah. And so that's what I've been doing. You know, what do you do when something, you know, goes away, you start focusing on what you can bring back to the business. and. I've just heard over and over again, it's your creativity, your creativity. Yeah. And that's why people hire us is for our creativity. Yeah. And so it's really neat to hear that. I love it. When I, whenever I get an opportunity to do that, I do it. So. I think that's an important lesson too, because I mean, if you've been in business as long as we have, people are going to be unhappy at some point. Right. And that's nobody, everybody cannot be a great client for you. And right. you cannot be the best solution for them. Even if you're the best in the business, personality conflict or whatever, them not having appropriate expectations of what's even possible for what they're doing. So I think a, a lot of businesses need to, to kind of learn how to identify who to avoid mm -hmm. sometimes as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, thank you for having me. And uh, I wish you luck with everything you're doing right now. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Next week on the show, we have Dara Brewsting, Equal Parts teacher, mega connector, and founder. She stands for Entrepreneurial Empowerment and has launched a Life by Design, Not by Default course where she shares stories with visionaries. If you haven't already, please also subscribe to our channel on YouTube so you can see clips from the upcoming episodes when they are uploaded. Just go to our website, websuasion.com. At the top, you'll see links to all of our social media accounts, including Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as well. Thanks again for listening and have a productive work week.